When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ayo, welcome in to the CHGO White Sox podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook. Download the app today and use promo code CHGO when you sign up. Welcome into a remote version of the CHGO White Sox podcast. I'm your host, Sean Anderson. You can follow me on Twitter at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. You can follow the show on Twitter at CHGO underscore White Sox. I am joined by the usual suspects, Vinny Duber, our CHGO White Sox beat writer. You can follow him on Twitter at Vinny Duber and Herb Lawrence. Hello. You can follow him on Twitter at Ecknerall23. He's our CHGO White Sox community leader. We got some spring training news and notes to touch upon. We'll be doing a little bit more projecting as well for the 2023 season, continuing our little series going hitters and pitchers and hitters and pitchers. We just did home runs uh, and predicted two out of three for Aloy Jimenez. I think I'm riding Andrew Vaughn, but I might need to change my picks. We'll get into that into the notes section. And then we'll talk about the World Baseball Classic, a big game later tonight. We are recording this before the USA and Cuba game goes down in Miami. And boy, is that going to be electric? And we will touch upon that in Monday's show. And that's at 4 p.m., folks. Uh, So make sure you're joining us there. Let's jump in to the projections, though, for strikeouts. Um, Dylan Cease has been struggling in spring training. I think he's obviously going to be the person that leads this discussion. He's been over 200 in the past two years, second in Cy Young in 2022 as well. Um, But he's been struggling in spring training. I know we've had this discussion before. It's the old spring training discussion, but are we worried? I'm not worried at all. (laughs) Okay, good. All right, we're done. Um, (laughs) See you you on Monday, everybody. Thanks, guys. Goodbye. Um, I, I think the one interesting comments have been uh, from Ethan Katz kind of talking about the pitch clock and maybe it does have to deal with a little bit of Dylan, you know, learning with the pitch clock. He also talked, uh, I believe I saw a video from Mark Gonzalez um, and he's just said he found, uh, you know, he was he was kind of lost the grip of his slider and then kind of found it in one of his starts. Um, and then it, it kind of went well from there. Uh, so it, it still seems like, you know, rust is being shaken off here, uh, which is normal for spring training. The dry air down there, the people and the pitchers always tell you like they can't grip their curveballs or their off-speed pitches as well as they do when they head up north. And so I'm not worried about any spring training stats. I mean, we might get excited about uh, Oscar Colas home run or Andrew Vaughn home run from time to time just because it's good to see baseball once again. But the actual numbers that they're putting up down there, they don't matter. And as you uh, referenced right there, they're just trying to do different things. This is a total different system for the pitcher specifically because of the pitch clock. And so Dylan's probably used to being methodical in his work. Same with the catcher, same with the batter who's up there. And so I don't really put too much stock into him struggling when he's only bat- faced like under 40 hitters and pitched what, six innings. I'm good. I'm sure his work on the side from what uh, Ethan Katz is seeing, he's not worried. If he's not worried and Dylan's not worried, there's no reason for me to worry. There is no way in which one of these days we're going to train everybody to not treat a spring training games like regular season games, but that day is, is not today. Um, but there is no reason to look into this in any way other than, you know, 
waiting for the regular season to, to come along. This is practice. Uh, they are not trying to win these games. That might be a little harsh. Obviously, you know, there's competitors in these guys and, and they're, you know, I remember back to Tony LaRusso the last couple of years him him talking about how badly he wanted to win spring training games and all of that. And, you know, it made people chuckle a little bit, but Hey, these guys are competitive, but, um, the pitchers are not doing what they do when they try to win baseball games during the regular season. Right. I mean, they are working on pitches like they are in a back on a backfield somewhere with nobody watching. It just so happens that they figured out that they could put them in the middle of games and sell tickets and every, and put them on TV and everybody would watch. So um, this is not a situation in which they are attacking hitters the way that they would for a regular season game. They're, they're working on pitches. I think, Heard from Michael Kopech, uh, you know, uh, down there, uh, you know, the beat reporters tweeting out some to, some videos there about Michael Kopech talking about his start that didn't go so hot the other day. And he's saying, man, I was just really trying to see what I could do with my curveball. I mean, he's he's just not he's not going after hitters, sequencing pitches. He's not doing all of that stuff. He's practicing to see how his curveball would play in a game in a game like atmosphere. So um, if, when when these things don't work, it's not necessarily because the caliber of the pitcher is down and everybody should be running for the hills so freaking out about what what the uh, stat line says at the end of the day it's it's not working because oh it was a bad practice round kind of thing you know if 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 i were to tell you that in the third week of spring training and some batting practice session some alloy swing uh you know produced a a single instead of a home run i don't think everybody would, would have any 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 reason to freak out there so just treat this the same way it's just pitchers they happen to work in a little different way where they uh uh go into games and do this stuff in games. But uh, this is certainly no reason to worry. If this happens in April, then we can talk again. But um, this is spring training. This is Cactus League. And uh, there's no reason to think that this is uh, a, a harbinger of doom for Dylan Cease. Yeah. And looking back, um, like, I don't know if there, like, I was trying to see if there's any data for him pitching on the West Coast. Um, he did pitch in Oakland and San Diego in September last year. Um and it seems more of like his stuff fell off because it was September um, rather than, you know, uh, anything to do with with the air. So um, I, hearing that breaking balls do break less in, in Arizona, I mean, that that probably does factor into it as well. Um, but I, I'm really worried about what he's going to do against Houston. Um, and, and we've seen him pitch there. So it's as long as he he's able to get through there. And hey, Houston, World Baseball Classic. No Jose Altuve. He's out now 10 months, right? Or no, 10 weeks. Um, I was I was trying to, you know, I think Edwin Diaz is out 10 months. Uh, Altuve is only out 10, 10 weeks. Um, but hey, the White Sox have a little bit easier of a job now uh, opening week because uh, Jose Altuve won't be there. Um, but yeah, I, I'm not worried about Dylan at all. Um, it's mainly about getting the work in. The work doesn't have to be pretty, doesn't have to be clean. Um, you know, you can see guys breaking shots at the Big Ten tournament uh, before in the in the layup line and whatever. And, you know, once the lights go on, once you're running plays, uh, it, it all kicks in. Um, I don't even know if the adrenaline's there. And we saw Dylan get all pumped up. And, and you know, it, it, even if it was 20,000 uh, at Guaranteed Ray Field, he was getting all pumped up, pumping up the crowd last year. Um, so, you know, maybe, maybe he needs that energy as well to, to get into game mode. So, yeah, I'm, I'm not worried about Dylan Cease. And that's why I'm projecting him to have the most strikeouts on the White Sox in 2023. Uh, let's get into that discussion here. Uh, so 200 strikeouts, uh, 226 and 221 and 227 in 2022. Let's start with this question. Will Dylan Cease 
lead the White Sox in strikeouts in 2023? And does he have a shot at beating uh, Chris Sale's modern day record and current the current record as well uh, with 274 uh, strikeouts back in 2015? That is a tall task to ask. I think, yes, he will lead the White Sox with strikeouts at 228, of course, uh, progression from the years past. Um, but 200, like if he strikes out that many batters, that means he changed something in, or just he's just that much better. And how good was he last year? I don't see him getting incrementally that mu- I mean, that much better. That's dramatically much better. That means he would probably take his walks down. That means that Dylan Cease is probably the Cy Young Award winner. That means the White Sox are probably doing well. Ugh, it's all hard for me to believe that he will break, break uh, Chris Sale's uh, modern-day record of the White Sox, 270. That's a lot more strikeouts. Five, 50 more strikeouts than he had last year? No, I don't think that he, he'll come close to that. Now, if he comes like 250, that's more realistic for me. But, man, Chris Sale, even though I think he was kind of a bag, he was <laughs> and still is one of the best pitchers in White Sox history in the seasons he had afford the White Sox to have people like Michael Kopech and Yohan Moncada on the team to have this rebuild that we're currently in and championship window that we're currently in. So um, I know that it seems like Dylan Cease is progressing at a rapid rate, but Chris Sale is a different animal and he was striking out people at a massive rate. So I don't think Dylan Cease can get to those levels. It's a good, uh, it's a good person to shoot for, but nah, 50 more strikeouts. Now nah, I'm good. I think he will lead the team. Uh, I, I don't know if he will come super close to that record, but I'll say this. It hinges on him not necessarily like, quote unquote, being so much better. It hinges on him solving that walk issue, because if you're not walking guys at the the rate he was walking them, which was very high, led, led the American League in walks, um, he's not throwing quite as many pitches. He's allowing himself to log more innings. He's putting himself in uh, a position to face more batters and strike them out, right? So I think that you could see the strikeout numbers go up, certainly, but it hinges on him being able to cut down the walks in a dramatic fashion because if he's still walking, guys, it doesn't mean he's not good. It doesn't mean he's not better than he was last year. It just means he's going to use up pitches, and the the efficiency is not going to be where it needs to be in order for him to rack up. 50 more strikeouts over the course of the season. If he can cut those walks down, then you get more innings, you get more batters, you get more strikeouts. It's possible, but it's going to need to be a dramatic change in the number of guys he walks so he can have a dramatic change in the number of guys he strikes out. Yeah, real quick, we're going to take a quick side break, and I want to bring up this quote from Chris Sale, just because you mentioned him, him being a bag, and people do grow up. He is older. Um, he's not, you know, what, 26 or 28 anymore, uh, like he was cutting up jerseys with the White Sox. Um, but there was this great quote back on March 6th, because he's been through a lot, a lot of injuries, um, and he's kind of reflected back. He said, I'm a baseball player, done this my whole life. I couldn't tell you my first memory of playing baseball, because I did it before I knew anything, and that got taken away from me, me for quite a while. And it was frustrating. There are tougher times to be had, but you know, I went through a tough time. I got it back and I just appreciate it more. I'm trying to have more fun with it. I'm trying to be more open-minded. I'm trying to, you know, soak more things in and just really appreciate it because I was 21 not too long ago. First time in spring training, walking around a room, just eyes wide open, looking at these big guys walking around this clubhouse. And I'm here now and it went fast. And there might have been some days I could have been maybe or I could have maybe appreciated things more. Uh, I just don't want it. 
to happen anymore. Um, so, you know, a, a retrospective and maybe the bag has grown up and been softened by uh, life, family and, uh, you know, experiences and injuries. So uh, I, I do feel a little bit more uh, positive about Chris Sale. It'd be cool to see him come back, uh, you know, back to a dominant pitcher. Maybe you don't see him with nearly 300 strikeouts because no one's really doing that and he's got so many injuries. But uh, it'd be nice to see him kind of reinvent himself maybe and make the make the career last because you know he's very cool he's a nice nice lefty i mean that's one of the best sliders of all time so uh, i you know I, I do have a little bit more fondness for uh for chris understood but um i'm trying to think like it's like a strikeout and a half more each start for Dylan so, Cease. he can do that but also chris sale did that in what 200 plus innings can dylan cease get to the 200 innings Vinny said Cut down the walks. Maybe you're allowed to go to the sixth. Maybe you're allowed to go to the seventh or eighth. We saw early in the season last year, he was, you know, five and dive, six and dive. Maybe he's lasting a little longer. So it is possible, but the last year was just so damn good for him. I don't see him improving on that with another strikeout and a half per start. So the one thing about Dylan is he's been extremely healthy, um, knock on wood, for the past two seasons, 32 starts in both of those, 165 and two-thirds in 2021, and 184 in 2022. So if he's healthy, I don't think getting to 200 innings is out of the out of reach. Um, Chris Sale did reach uh, 214 in 2013 when he was 24, and he reached 226 strikeouts just where Dylan was. Um, and it took him until 2015 to set that record. 208 innings, 274 strikeouts, um, and he did reach uh, 308 in 2017 uh, in 214 innings. But here's the big thing. Where do you walk people? Where can you strike people out? Where's the biggest place to make a difference? Full counts. In full counts last year, Dylan had 52 strikeouts and 48 walks. If he just tightens up in those specifically and he's able to you know, turn a couple of those a little bit more – I mean, that gap can be closed right there. Um, and, you know, you maybe you get out of an inning. You don't have to face another batter right there. Um, I think if he is, you know, cutting down on walks, he is throwing more strikes. Um, I think I think it absolutely can lead to more strikeouts. I mean, he's got the most unhittable slider. And that's what Chris Sale basically did was, you know, he was fastball slider. And I, I think Dylan Cease could absolutely do that. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's, it's certainly possible. I don't want to take the possibility away. Um, I think, you know, certain things have to happen before the other thing happens. And I think, uh, you know, the thing that he should be focused on is, is more innings. Uh, not that he was too far away from that magic 200 number that, that starting pitchers like to reach so much, but more innings just in general, whether it jacks your strikeouts up to 50 or not is going to help this team because it's so, he's so good. The more innings you can have your best pitcher on the mound, that's a positive thing for the White Sox. So, um, I think we look at Lance Lynn as being someone because of his veteran status, the fact that he's done it a while of as a horse, you know what I mean? And we, and we look at Lucas Giolito as someone who where, um, you know, longevity in games and racking up innings has been something he's excelled at, whether the results were good or bad over the last few years, if Dylan sees can become that kind of guy as well, you've got a starting rotation in which you're not just talking about, um, you know, the ability to dazzle you with the results, the ability to prevent runs from scoring the number one job, right? The ability to overpower lineups, but just the reliability of going out there every day. If those guys can do that over the course of a full season, then once you get to October, when the bullpens are so important, then you're looking at a, at a, a relatively well-rested bullpen, hasn't been had to 
you know, been called on a, a million times during the regular season, that puts you in a much better position uh, to make a deep playoff run than the alternative. Yeah, and I think that Chris Sale, like, I mean, uh, Dylan Cease from the year to year, he had actually more strikeouts per nine the year before in 2021 than he had in 22. I just think he became a better pitcher. And being around the people he's being around in Lance Lynn and Johnny Cueto last year, he's probably learned to be a more concise pitcher. And he has the strikeout ball, and he knows that. And he, if whenever he needs to go to it, he can get it. But I think the maturation and the – the next step is getting longer in games and getting longer in games is getting more quick outs. So he can just pitch these pitches like here, hit it. And with more confidence in the defense behind him last year, they booted the brawl around a lot. I think he would be more confident with people in left field who are, who are competent at their job. Oscar Colas was competent at his job in right field. I think he'll be pitching to more contact and the strikeout numbers didn't fall off as total 226 to 227. So he pitched to more contact. He had better results. The ERA went down like a, a run and a half. So I think that he'll have that maturation of, okay, I could still get my strikeouts, but I'm not trying to strike everybody out. I'm trying to get early outs and quick outs a little bit more efficiently. And so I think that record might be safe this year. But eventually, like you said, well, he can progress to, you know, if he wants to be that guy, he can do a 300 strikeout a, a year. It's, it's all about getting to that 200 inning uh, or 200, you know, uh, whatever, 200 inning plateau, I, I think. Um, I mean, you look at the hits allowed, you talk about pitching to contact, 126 hits allowed in 2022, uh, 139 in 2021. Um, in 54 or so less batters faced, he allowed 13 less hits. Um, so he saw more more batters and allowed less hits. Like, I mean, he, he is just – doesn't I mean he's really good at pitching we we know this um so, so it's 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 a good mix when he just starts throwing strikes I think as long as he's cutting down on walks and again if he's able to be more dominant in full counts he's not allowing that extra guy to get on and he could just end in that bat right there um I think it'll be huge for strikeout numbers um and just to put all of this in context since Chris Sale set that record in 2015 274 there have only been five pitchers who have reached the 300 mark, uh, Garrett Cole in 2019, Chris Sale in 2017, Kershaw in 2015, Scherzer in 2018, and Verlander in 2019. No one has done it since the pandemic. The closest person to do it or the most strikeouts since 2021 uh, is Garrett Cole with 257. Um, so, I mean, it, 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 we don't really know what the pandemic, how all of that has hurt these guys. Maybe stamina is a little bit less. There's more focus on bullpens. Maybe 300 strikeouts never happens again. Uh, maybe I'm being dramatic, but it, it is a crazy feat to reach. Um, but Dylan's got definitely the stuff uh, to do it. So uh, are we picking Dylan to set the record uh, for, or not to set the record, but uh, for most strikeouts this year? Uh, Dylan is projected to have the second most behind Garrett Cole, according to Zips, in all of Major League Baseball with 217 strikeouts. Cole projected to have 224. Um, so obviously we're thinking Dylan leads this category for the White Sox. Correct. Yes. Okay. Uh, Lucas is projected second with 172. Lance Lynn only projected with 132. Kopech at 111. We'll talk about him after the break. Davis Martin with Zips is projected to have uh, more strikeouts than Mike Clevenger and more innings pitched. So uh, take that as you will. Um, I think, again, I think they're projecting if he plays and he is in the, the, the roster, which uh, we think Clevenger will probably beat him out for that spot. So. I don't think Davis Martin will be getting 117 innings uh, in a major league uniform in 2023. Uh, let's take a quick break here, and then we'll jump into Michael Kopech, Andrew Vaughn, 
Oscar Colas, big spring training news or notes that we want to get into and, and touch upon uh, here on the CHGO White Sox podcast. We do want to let you know about FOCO Chicago. You've already got the best coverage for your favorite teams to get fitted in best sports gear around. FOCO has you covered from Soldier Field to the front room, north or south side, all the way to Traverse City, Michigan, with hoodies, slippers, signs, bobbleheads, and everything in between. Get decked out like tomorrow with a pair from the leaders in sports merch and collectibles. FOCO, that's F-O-C-O. If you're looking for the perfect gift for the football fan in your life, FOCO's got you covered with hoodies to fight that Lake Michigan breeze. So check out FOCO.com, F-O-C-O.com, or click the link in the description below. And for all non-presale items, use the promo code CHGO for 10% off. If you don't know why I said Traverse City, Michigan, uh, it is a remote show and Herb's all the way remotely in Traverse City, Michigan. Um, we also want to let you know about Goose Island. Uh, I saw Kevin Kaduk's message in our Slack uh, at, at the the old Mariano's. You can get the Tasty Time Palals for uh, two packs for $5.99 each. Uh, mercy. Uh, that's, that's one hell of a deal. Uh, they've been Chicago's beer since 1988. CHGO is supported by Goose Island Beer Company because they are the best beer in Chicago. They have the Blackhawks Pale Ale, which is a limited release. They have the awesome 312, which comes in the nice 312 cans, 312 bottles, and the Bulls city edition which matches the bulls city edition uniforms they have the bourbon county stout which has four flavors the beer hug ipa series which also has four flavors the green line the matilda and the sophie goose island's two locations are open and ready to welcome you and you can grab a beer from their innovative tanks at goose island's tap room at 1800 west fulton or get a smash burger and fresh beer of the week at the original clybourne brew house at 1800 north clybourne for reservations and pickup go to GooseIsland.com slash locations goose island beer company um fantastic beer um let's jump in to i mean who do you want to talk about first andrew vaughn's well, back oscar I, Kolos, michael kopech i think the nice uh the nice transition is kopech because i think uh he's a guy who maybe deserved to have been mentioned a little bit more in the previous segment um mm. i don't think any of us necessarily think he'll be a you know uh skying past 200 innings to to uh threaten the Chris Sale record or, or threaten Dylan Cease's lead of the team this season. But let's remember that Michael Kopech uh, is known for blowing a fastball by a lot of people, and uh, he's a guy that could rack up a ton of strikeouts. If the longevity is there, I don't see why he can't be it, the number two guy on this team in that category. Uh, I, I just have trouble because last year was such a weird year for Michael Kopech. It was his first year starting – as a full-time starter in the major leagues. And so I think he was trying to adjust to that and like hold something back in the tank. And so his strikeouts per nine were down from the year before because, you know, different roles, reliever slash starter in 2021, all, all starter in 2022 with the various injuries. I just can't get there with Michael Kopech because of the injury history and how, you know, delicate he is sometimes. And he hasn't learned how to pitch as a starter starting pitcher and a guy who strikes out a lot of batters per nine. And so I don't know if he's going to regain that and retool that, but I could see him maybe finishing second, third, but the innings, will he get there? Will he be that 160 innings that he wants to be? Even if he's at that, will he get close to what Lucas Giolito is going to be at the number two spot? Well, it's all about how many innings he's going to pitch. I mean, Dylan, I'm not really worried that he's going to pitch in 32 games, right? And we saw, you know, he just had more success in 2022. He pitched about, uh, what, 20 or so more innings because he just was getting deeper in games, was getting through batters quicker, um, and was able to go into the sixth and seventh inning more consistently. 
But Michael, I mean, we don't know if he'll be able to consistently throw. I mean, it was, let's get to five. If you give up, you know, three runs or less, your team should be able to score three runs and hopefully your bullpen can shut it down from there. Like, it, we weren't really setting the bar high for Michael Kopech in 2022, but 2023, we now need that bar to be lowered or, or that bar to be raised. Like he needs to hit 140 innings. He needs to hit 160 innings. I don't think that's going to compile to enough strikeouts for him because we've seen with the more innings that he goes, the stuff goes down and in spring training, I know it's spring training, but I start getting texts when, uh, who, when Michael Kopech, who was originally scored, scheduled for four innings yesterday, um, got replaced by Pedro Grafol after a leadoff walk to start the third inning. His last pitch was a heater at 91 miles per hour. He did then re-enter in the fourth, but when we saw that he was getting down to 91, 92 consistently with his fastball, he just wasn't the same starting pitcher. And that's the concern is I don't know how his stuff's going to play out for a full season. It didn't really look that great last year. Yeah, I mean – it's all mystery, but I'm just saying I think this is a guy who's built a reputation on being a, someone who can go out there and dominate, and we we saw that at times last year. Now, again, do we see it consistently? No, we didn't. Um, but uh, I think this is a guy who, if the things go right for him, you got to include him in that conversation just because he is – Someone who still has a pretty elite fastball still has a pretty ridiculous fastball when, you know, he's pumping it up there, when he can pump it up there. So it, it all comes down to what his arm's going to let him do, what his body's going to let him do. And um, again, I don't like to project, you know, injuries or health struggles if they aren't present at the moment. And, um, it, you you know, you can't really say too much off spring training results, but um you know, it's 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 someone who I think everybody thinks is possible, who is capable of having a very big season and a very big season in the strikeout department. Um, and I think if the innings are there, right, if he if he his body and his arm let him log that many innings, then the strikeouts probably will will come. I don't see him being a guy who's going to be down close to 90 miles an hour and then just remain in the game as a fly ball pitcher or something like that. And I agree, Vinny, if the innings are there, he will strike out guys. But the thing that people harp on with Dylan Cease is the walks. And if you extrapolate the, the stats out to a 32-start season for Michael Kopech, he would have blown away Dylan Cease and walks. He think I think he had like a four-walk per nine uh, average, and Dylan Cease is more in the three-eighths. And so that's another focus for him to have those walks down, and then you can face more batters. You know, he has electric stuff. We all know that. And so maybe it's just a thing about, you know, getting the right grip, having the confidence to throw the pitch in the right time and having the catcher to have the rhythm with him to get the job done. We saw the other day came out of the game of his first start kind of winded. He and all these pitchers will have to get to the level of, OK, this is how new baseball is and it's going to be fast, quick. Let's go, let's go, let's go. And so I need him to just worry about I got good stuff. Throw over the plate. If they hit it, they hit it. I think so many, so many times that with him, it's about confidence. It's about being in his own head. And the walks are way too many. And I think the strikeouts will be there if he gets the innings, if he has the health. But the walks are a bugaboo for him and for Dylan Cease. 
Well, it also felt like he didn't have his his slider at all. I mean, the, the slider that we saw in 2021 that had so much zip, so much break, so much life at like 89 um, was around 86, 85. Like, I mean, it was just a completely different pitch um, and, and it just wasn't as effective. And I got really excited when, hey, we start hearing that he's throwing a changeup, uh, but that he has Monty Grandal mic'd up thing. And I got all excited like a goof and started seeing, you know, the 91 mile per hour changeups he was throwing in 2018. And he even flashed a couple in 2021. I'm hoping that that Michael Kopech's there. I think he's got a lot to offer as a starting pitcher. Um, but again, it's just like, I, I don't know where him and Andrew Vaughn are when it comes to stamina. And I don't know what the process of building them up is. And I don't understand how, you know, I mean, they, maybe I don't, I don't understand, but the, the expectations seem pretty clear of these guys. Like, you know, we, we have to, get Kopech to 150 innings or so. And Vaughn has to be playing around 140 games. And it's just frustrating to already see in spring training, like some signs of fatigue. And again, it, it could be rust. I, I sh- if I'm doing that with Dylan Cease, I should be doing that with the same with, uh, with Vaughn and Kopech. But I guess it's just frustrating to see it be with Vaughn in 2021, 2022, and again in 2023. And then I guess even Kopech in 2022 and 2023, when he was telling you, you know, his goal is 180 and 200 innings. I worry about him reaching 180, 200 if he's already, you know, sitting at 91 after flashing 95, whatever, versus the Angels, you know, last start. Yeah, and we'll see what comes with Kopech. I think, you know, to just to bring people up to speed if they don't know on on what you're talking about with Vaughn and some some back soreness, <laughs> yeah, yeah. some back soreness he's been dealing with. We get we heard that from from the guys who are down in Arizona, from Daryl and James. Uh, you know, they're doing. They're, they're talking to Pedro and hearing about a guy who hadn't been in a Cactus League game for over a week now, um, and he, it's because of some back soreness that Pedro Grafol is, is really downplaying, uh, you know, and, and, and again, I, I think just like the stats in spring training, you know, the play, the, the posting in spring training, it should be equally kind of uh, – you know, looked at with with regards to what it means for the upcoming season. I think if you're saying, hey, the guy's got a sore back, these games don't count. Yeah, sit him down for a week, right? And and, and once you get to April and May, um, it might be something a little different. Obviously, we're going to say those same things if that kind of thing does happen. We'll say, oh, well, it's early in the season. You'd rather sit him down now than in June. But the point being that these things – you know, the games increase in uh, the the amount that these guys want to fight through as the season goes along. And so uh, we can only take Pedro at his word when he says, you know, it's something that he isn't at all concerned about. Uh, Vaughn's been doing work, whether it's taking ground balls or I think very whether he's starting to swing now or going to start swinging again very soon, um, you know, on the backfields, just because you're not seeing it in the Cactus League game doesn't mean that he's not still out there uh, trying to get his work in. So, um yeah, I don't think it's anything to be worried about, but it certainly jumps out because the White Sox have been fortunate enough to experience some pretty great health throughout the entire spring. I think really the only thing that has come up has been, uh, you know, obviously what Liam Hendricks is going through, which isn't baseball related, but, uh, you know, Aaron Bummer kind of working him his way back from the same kind of thing that was bugging him last year. Uh, Vaughn said today, I'm feeling much better, was just a little tight and at spring training, didn't want to push anything. I'd rather make it through a full season than a couple spring training games. Uh, and, uh, Merck, and this is from Scott Merkin. He also said he played catch this morning, took ground balls, like you said, Vinny, um, and that he felt good. Um, and just to add a little bit more of stats to this herb before I throw it to you, uh, this mm-hmm. is from Beef Loaf, uh, just totaling up White Sox plate appearances in spring training and the World Baseball Classic. Berger leads with 42, and this is from yesterday, so I'm not sure if this is completely up to date, but uh, Berger with 42, Colas with 41, Moncada with 35, Robert with 34, Sheets with 33, Vaughn 
with 33. So, um, you know, he's, he's not up there with Tim Anderson or anything. I mean, he's, he's still top five or top six, but he's, he's not the leader. I, I don't know if you find this out or not. I don't. I don't find it odd at all. I found it actually encouraging that Andrew Vaughn has told his uh, team and his uh, trainers and his manager, hey, I'm just going to sit out. I got a little soreness. I have no reason to go through this with this games that don't count, as Vinny's like to say, practice. We talking about practice? I'm going to be out here <laughs> with a sore back and practice? No, we're, I'm good. That's good. That's a good uh, thing to have in spring training. And I hope he does that during the regular season. If he's feeling anything where it could exasperate, it can, it can extend and it can be worse, I want him to talk to the trainers. I want him to talk to Pedro Grafal and say, hey, I'm feeling this way, that way, or, or, or another. I know there's a lot of pressure on the guy because he's replacing a legend, but also take care of your body. Make sure that you allow them to uh, know where you're at physically because you've ran out of gas the last two years, no matter what. And that is the most important thing for you to have communication to the new training staff and the people who are trying to get you through this season and not be the tough guy and say, hey, I'm going to be replacing Jose Abreu, so I'm posting 150 games. Not necessary. We need you for a majority of the games. 140 would be great. But injuries in preseason, little tightness in preseason, great. Who cares? During the season, if you're feeling something really severe, sit out. Tell your team about it and make sure that you're not too proud to actually have a rest and chill out a little bit because – you can run into a problem for the rest of your life. And we need Andrew Vaughn for more than just this year. And so I'm not even stressing that he was out. I know all the Andrew Vaughn haters were jumping on that immediately when they saw that. See, he's hurt. Well, See, hey, he's hurt again. And the I'm fan, not that guy. The fan club's worried. All right. I got, I have a lot of, I have a lot of uh, checks. I got a cash. I got Andrew a lot Vaughn of shit. I talked to Jose Abreu uh, and I need this man on a baseball field. All right. So if, if he's not playing 130 games, I think I might be at the end of a, at the bottom of a river. Uh, I think I made a lot of too many promises here. The bottom of a river. Wow. I, Jose, I think Jose's probably got one, connections apparently. Uh, probably one close to me, probably the Chicago river. No one's closest. But uh, Sean, what I will say to you, to your point earlier is it, it's, it is. It, it's interesting. It's not anything more than interesting. It's. It's. It, in fact, it's coincidental, if anything, that we're talking about Michael Kopech and Andrew Vaughn under these circumstances. Because while I'm completely, uh, you know, in the camp of it's spring training, everybody settle down. Those are two guys who are going to have this, for lack of a better term, spotlight or magnifying glass on them for the entire season because they are the ones probably on this White Sox team, at least when we're talking about um, core guys, who have the biggest question marks about the gas tank, right? Because Andrew Vaughn has had admitted to as much over the last couple of years. And then with Michael Kopech, it's been a story, obviously, uh, you know, since he came back from missing two straight uh, seasons uh, with, with both the injury and the pandemic. So if you've got – to, if you've got a pitcher who has the storyline has been for two years now, how many innings can he throw? Not necessarily because you know you're worried or that or the team's hopes are going to collapse if he doesn't hit a certain number, but just because everybody's still waiting for for the Michael Kopech to show up, and it has a lot to do with with his durability and with what, how long he how many innings he can rack up. Here it is, year three now, where we still have that exact same question about him, and I, I think it's not as um, it's not as mysterious as it was a year ago. It's not as mysterious as maybe it was two years ago, but it's still a question that's hovering over him and his career. And Andrew Vaughn, the, the guy has has shown a lot of good things, 
but here he is two years or, you know, embarking on year three of his big league career. And we're still wondering, well, is he going to be able to make it all the way through September? I mean, Hey, if they want to play playoff baseball, this team's goal is to win the world series. If they want to win the world series, make it all the way to November there, he's going to need to be a big part of that. And and they can't be like, all right, thanks for the, uh, thanks for the five months. We got it from here, Andrew. I mean, he's going to have to be in the middle of that lineup. So uh, again, I think this is nothing more than coincidental at this point that we're talking about these guys in this light at this point of spring training, but it is, you know, there is a reason that people are going to react the way they're reacting because these guys do have those questions. Top prospects. I mean, I would even throw Luis into this just because, again, we brought up the the hundred game mark for him. I know those have been, I think, a little bit more freak. Um, Andrew obviously hurting himself in the outfield. That's the same as Luis hurting himself on the bases, but still, you know, he he slogged through the end of 2021 with a back injury and just looked horrible and couldn't hit for power. And the same thing happened in 2022, and it seemed like he was even dealing with it in May. So yeah, I mean, huge concerns just because these guys were. The cream of the crop. I mean, top third pick, or top three pick for Andrew Vaughn, and uh, Kopech was a first rounder in his own right, and former top twenty prospect. So, um, I mean, these guys are so talented. It's just like we want to see them play because they might be really good. Um, but yeah, uh, another guy that might be really good, um, Oscar Colas. I do want to ask you guys this question before we get into baseball specifics. If you have a kid, are you going to name it Junior? Would you go down that route? No, no. I would not. I'm already okay. Herb the Third when I was born. I changed really? my name subsequently. Yeah, I was Herbert Lee Bass the Third. My father and my grandfather both had those names, and I was like, "This is a dumb thing. Why do people do this? It's just really <laughs> dumb. Like you have to live up to your father's name. No, I'm good. I already got your last name. Just name me something different. Creative jerk. So yeah, when I have a kid, if I do, I will not name him Herbert because kids <laughs> are cruel and they make jokes about Sherbert. And my last name was Bass, and of course the, the easy walk to ask. And it's like golly a lot of trauma that's where they went you didn't get see had you been a kid when i was a kid Mm -hmm. you would have gotten a lot of big mouth billy bass references i would imagine yeah i would have it would have been bad and so yeah (laughs) i changed my name like when my stepfather adopted me when i was like in first grade so it went to lawrence and so i had to actually literally change my name last year two years ago legally because i didn't get changed legally when uh, my mom and my stepfather got married but yeah why do you ask sean Oh, well, Oscar Colas in September is expecting a boy. Congratulations. Him and his wife are expecting a boy. Uh, and he said he's going to name it Oscar Jr. Uh, this is from Daryl Vance Gowan in the, the Sun Times. So shout out to uh, Oscar and his wife. Uh, middle, name, any- middle name Meyer, we can only hope. Yes. <laughs> Oscar Meyer Jr. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm not going down the junior route as well. I think I think it's very odd. Um, I will start calling you Trey Lawrence, though, because you're the that, third. Man, if I would have known that one as a kid, it would have saved me a lot of uh, heartache. <laughs> I did not know that. Um, but yes, it's weird that you name somebody the same name as you. Um, I just don't know why. I understand uh, hubris and people want to have their legacy passed on. But he's a major league baseball player. His son's going to be like, it's it's impossible to be me a major league baseball player already. And you're putting that additional pr- uh, pr- uh, pressure on that kid. He's Oscar Jr. Like, there's Ken Griffey Jr. He did succeed his get better than his dad, but tell me another one. I was well, Luis Robert Jr. He did yeah, better. It, his dad yeah. wasn't even a major leaguer. Exactly. But look at all that pressure Ken Griffey Jr. went through all through high school. And I'm sure it, it was. Yeah, it's fine. It turned out well. But where's a? am trying to think of a, a junior now like Ronnie Jr. He's not as good as his dad. He's not going to be close to his dad. Well, That's why they call yeah. him Bronny, not LeBron James Jr. 
I mean, it's tough to be as good as LeBron. No one is as good as LeBron. Maybe That's only Michael Jordan. And, and we see how good Mike Marcus and uh, I forget the other one's name is. Jeff, I mean, they Jeffrey College Ball. No, That's Jeffrey. his middle name. No, Jeffrey. You got Jeffrey? it. Jeffrey okay. Jordan. Right. Yeah. But I mean, neither yeah. of them, neither of them were in Space Jam. They had a fake, fake family for Michael in Space Jam. Which was weird because they really didn't have an acting role. <laughs> right. It's just like, you know, I mean, I, then they got the new Nike movie coming out and the actress that's playing Michael Jordan's mom looks exactly like Michael Jordan's mom. Uh, so it's like, oh, I mean, they kind of got the lady already. You know, yeah, she should have been in Space Jam. That's Viola Davis. Viola Davis is one of the best actors of working right now. And she's a perfect oh, she? pick for Dolores Jordan. Yeah. Oh, I had I had no idea that was. I, oh, yeah, I'm perfect. so sorry. I no, should have. She that. was. I think she was in some of the Marvel movies, too. Yeah, no, she's Viola Davis. DC, she's in some DC movies. Very, very, uh, very famous woman. Um, oh, she's in those trash movies. Actress. Yeah. Sorry. She's in the bad ones. Yeah. Um, all right, let's get back to Oscar Colas. Um, this is not, Viola Davis is not why you called. Um, Oscar Colas, as we mentioned, uh, one of the most uh, experienced 2023 spring training players for the White Sox so far, second in plate appearances for the Sox in spring training. Um, so far, so good. Um, he is hitting 279. 295 OBP, slugging 442, OPS of 737, uh, five strikeouts, one walk. Uh, but let's go to the lefty-righty splits because we care about this. Versus lefties, it is in 10 at-bats. He is batting 300 on base percentage of 300, and it's slugging 300, OPS of 600. Uh, and then versus righties, 290, 313, slugging 516 with an OPS of 829. Uh, two strikeouts, no walks versus lefties, one strikeout, one walk versus righties um so far so good i mean he doesn't he's not he's treading water at least i mean versus lefties he's not uh striking out a ton seems like he's still settling for contact but um i don't know what, what do we make of oscar Colos if he is uh, a kind of a slap hitter versus lefties in that platoon it's fine he's a rookie i don't really put as we said before stock into these numbers for the spring training games but if he is the same player that he is in spring training as a rookie I think it's fine. I know people are putting very much pressure on him to be the rookie of the year, to be the guy who hit a bunch of home runs last year in the three levels that he traveled. But remember, he's coming from a level pretty much where last year was only year they played stateside and he was a single A player at the beginning of last year to do that jump to go to the major leagues. We've seen it with Andrew Vaughn and from one, not from one year to the other because of the COVID year, but from one uh, stopping a the high A level than going to the majors the next time he played baseball. It's been done, but we see what Andrew Vaughn's gone through too, where he's not as good as projected as yet, but he will get there. And so for his rookie year, anything that he does where he's above average player to me is fine. I don't put any pressure on him. He'll be batting seventh, eighth or ninth in this lineup. So you'll need some contribution from him. I expect most of the contribution contribution you'll see from Oscar Colas will be with the glove instead of the bat because major league pitching is tough. And especially this year, you said he's hitting what 300, 300 and 300 all singles on versus lefties. They're going to get him out badly this year. He was going to look really bad in some time plate appearances because he's a rookie. It's going to be natural. So don't put a lot of pressure on this guy because he's even though he's 25, he's a rookie. Yeah, are people really out there getting mad that the guy's getting hits but just not bigger hits? Like, you know, like if he's if he's a rookie batting eighth and he bats 300, 
things will be just fine. Like, uh, uh, again, these are spring training numbers. Who knows what they're going to look like during the regular season? Uh, as I've said before, I fully expect him to have a long stretch, if not long stretches, plural, of really bad struggles because that's what rookies do when they get to the major league level. Major league pitchers are really damn good and they're going to be able to get these guys out. Now the White Sox have all the confidence in the world. It seems that he can figure it out on some level because they've made him their everyday right fielder. And I don't think he's done anything in spring training to, to point to that being a bad decision at this point. Um, You know, there, that was really what we were looking for with Colas this spring was not, Oh my God, is he going to come out and be the, you know, third or fourth highest home run hitter on the team? Is he going to blow everybody out of the water? It's, is he going to not be bad? And, and he has not been bad. Like the, the only thing that could have changed this plan was if he really struggled in the spring. And now it's all of a sudden the White Sox have to send him to AAA to, for more seasoning. And Gavin Sheets needs to get the bulk of the starts in right field. Maybe Aloy Jimenez is playing a lot more right field. None of that has happened. And the plan when the White Sox showed up to Arizona is now able to be executed, which is Oscar Colas is going to be the everyday right fielder. You're still going to see Gavin Sheets get some at bats. Aloy Jimenez might get some games in right field, but there is a guy there who has not fallen on his face at, to this point and has given the White Sox, you know, conf- the, you know, proven that their confidence in him was well-placed. Uh, I, I don't think people should be expecting him to be some all-star or be batting fourth uh, by mid by mid July or anything like that. He just has to be good. And, and he's, you got to give him the time to figure out what he's doing at the major league level, because it obviously is not easy. We've seen the guys who are the number three and four hitter in this lineup right now, Luis Robert Jr., Aloy Jimenez, when they came up to the to the major leagues their first year, go through very long periods of struggles. It's going to happen with Oscar Colas. It's just can he minimize that and, and contribute in other ways, Herb, like you bring up uh, on the defensive side. Well, and let's go to the defensive quotes because we got a ringing endorsement from everyone's favorite first base coach, Daryl Boston, uh, who Daryl notes, uh, Daryl, that's probably confusing because the author of this article is Daryl and the first base coach is also named Daryl. So first base coach, Daryl Boston, who works with outfielders, which was written by Daryl Van Scowen of the Sun-Times, said Colas is close to being ready. Quote, he's not far. We've had guys way worse than that out there. He's definitely going to be ready. Um, so ringing endorsement. He's not the worst. So hey guys, confidence in our right fielder. Hey, he's not the worst. You wanted it. You wanted an upgrade, and you got an upgrade. <laughs> you wanted someone who actually plays that position, and you got someone who actually plays that position. So uh, <laughs> you wanted a hit. It's it's not a it's not a ringing endorsement, but perhaps, but uh, it, it it is true, isn't it? <laughs> Poor Andrew Vaughn just catching strays. I mean, that's probably why his back hurts. He got stabbed in the back by Daryl Boston. Uh, he's just looking at him at first, bit like, what the hell, man? Um, not my fault. I was out there. Blame Aloy. Um, anyways, uh, let's get into a quick ad break, and then we'll talk a little bit about Tim Anderson, Jose Ruiz as well. Uh, we got Yon Mankata and Luis Robert facing off against Team USA. The White Sox are guaranteed to have at least two players in the World Baseball Classic, and that's very, very exciting. want to let you know, though, about DraftKings Sportsbook. DraftKings Sportsbook is an official sports betting partner of CHGO and of All City Network. They are out there in Phoenix. They are out there in Denver. They are America's top-rated sportsbook. Quick withdrawals, quick deposits. I've been having so much fun uh, since Thursday and honestly, since Tuesday, betting on March Madness and all of the college basketball going on. I am now sweating. Did you have out. Fairleigh Dickinson, Sean? No. <laughs> Did you? 
No, but I, anytime you can bring up Fairleigh Dickinson is a is a is a fun time, isn't it? Anytime I could bring up Hackensack, New Jersey, I feel I feel like I'm doing uh, Donald Fagan and uh, the other guy from Steely, uh, Walter Becker, really really well. Um, the, my my two boys. Uh, but you know, you could hey, bet on Fairleigh Dickinson. Sean, had you had you asked, any major dude would have told you that Fairleigh <laughs> Dickinson would have been the way to go. Nice. Very nice. Uh, <laughs> uh, but you can bet on all the dudes uh, and all the knights on DraftKings Sportsbook. Uh, I'm sweating now a NCAA future uh, of Arkansas to win the title. Um, I don't know if it's going to happen, but hey, they beat Kansas and I made it back in February. So uh, why not? Let's hopefully, uh, hopefully February Sean can make April Sean some money. Download the app now and sign up with code CHGO. New customers can bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA with code CHGO. Minimum agent eligibility restrictions apply see show notes for details also want to let you know about comed the comed facility assessment and the comed energy efficiency program is committed to helping families and businesses in the communities we serve save money and energy comed offers free facility assessments that can help find energy saving opportunities whether it's lighting hvac system commercial kitchen equipments or industrial processes and an authorized engineer will work with you to develop a detailed assessment plan specific to your goals and needs and these can be done in person or virtually and last approximately two hours within three or four weeks customers will receive a report detailing energy efficiency projects that they can start working on immediately and each recommendation will include estimated energy savings cost savings project costs potential incentives and simple payback so don't wait get started saving money and energy today for energy saving tips and to schedule your free facility assessment go to comment.com slash powering biz that's comment.com slash powering biz all right World for, all of you, uh, for all of you spring training stat junkies, uh, we were talking about Dylan Cease uh, at the outset today, so uh, I'll, I'll just uh, update you. Four innings today in Cactus League play, six Ks, one walk. Let's go. One walk. There, He's on He's on the road to 300K. <laughs> or uh, three, not 300K, 300Ks. Um, he's on the road to much more than 300K if he racks up 300Ks, that's for sure. Damn straight. <laughs> but that, oh, I got that was a money joke. Um, it was, the, yeah. oh, well, since we're bringing up World Baseball Classic, uh, the holder of money in uh, all of baseball is Scott Boris, and he's mad at the World Baseball Classic for existing. Is that shocking? Not at all. I mean, he should. I mean, he shouldn't want to want any of his clients to go there because it's not making them any more money by participating in it. This is just a a pet project. It's a passion project for these players. You could see that all these players who are there want to be there. And they are giving their all and they're all talking about this thing and saying this is the funnest baseball they've played in a while. And playing for their country is an honor of a lifetime. So, yeah, agents shouldn't want players to be playing for free, essentially, to ruin their careers or like they're I mean, uh, Diaz has his money. He's fine. He'll be fine. But other players who don't actually have their money yet, I can see him being kind of hey, what's going on. Don't play that that tournament. Okay, counterpoint. We just brought up one of his clients who pitched four innings in a baseball game that doesn't matter in spring training. Dylan Cease could be wearing Team USA across his chest and throwing four innings, six strikeouts in one walk. Like, I don't know. I mean, the guys are insured. It sucks. If, if he got yeah. injured in spring training, you'd be complaining. If he got injured in world in the World Baseball Classic, you'd be complaining. Like, you just want to complain because you're not making money. Like, I, I don't know. I saw the Scott Boris things, and clearly I was annoyed by it. Sorry. Correct. But, like, Lance Lynn is throwing live bullets. Those are real pitches. Those are pitches you'll see in the regular season. Same thing with Jose Ruiz. Credit to Vinny Duber for making that word up. Jose Ruiz. That's a great name. But these are live bullets. These are real pitches. I don't think Dylan Cease, as we discussed earlier in the show, 
is throwing real pitches. They're not throwing 100% all out. I'm doing things. I'm trying to test things out. We heard Michael Kopech. I'm trying to test the curveball out. I'm trying to test other things out. Lance Lynn, those are pitches he would throw in a regular season game. These games are real. That's why everybody's gravitating towards the World Baseball Classic because you see real baseball in March with intensity and fun. Well, and do you know why you could a real sign that it was real baseball? Uh, Luis Arise owning Lance Lynn um, since 2021. Luis Arise versus Lance Lynn, eight hits and 21 at bats, a 381 batting average, a 619 slugging percentage, a 1000 OPS. And what does he do when USA is up three nothing? Lance Lynn, our guy, our big bastard, gives up a home run to Luis Arise. And then what does Luis Arise do again? He hits another home run. Miami just got a superstar. I mean, man, you're, you're, you're all bummed up about Pablo Lopez being as good as uh, Lance Lynn. They just gave away, I mean, Barry Bonds, but he plays second base and he's Venezuelan. I mean, look at the game. You said 3 nothing to start the game. The United States is crushing in the first inning. Who starts off the game? A Houston Astro and Jose Altuve. Of course he's going to get a hit off of Lance Lynn. That's his... <laughs> That's his uh, kryptonite right there. And then you went over the numbers for Luisa Rice. That was it. That home run from Luisa Rice, it. Lance Link out of that was like, all right, good job. But you guys are going down after that. That is a solid-ass lineup. As we discussed when we're doing the previews, I talked about the Venezuelan team. I was like, I don't know if they're going to do anything. I didn't think they were going to be this good. But they're going to hit. They have hitters up and down that damn lineup. And it, that game was a testament to that because they just did what I said they were going to do. They're hitting the ball everywhere. And Luis Arise, he might be a superstar. God damn. Because he that's his home bar, ballpark now. Mm-hmm. And he was hitting those balls with no problem easily. I told you guys all and when the Twins made that dumb trade that they shouldn't have <laughs> traded their best player. What are they doing? They signed Carlos Correa in his Achilles heel. Oh, no. I mean, hey, I, I think uh, the answer, the, the best thing you can say for White Sox fans after watching that last night is, ooh, good thing that guy plays in the NL East now, right? Seriously. Uh, but yeah, I mean, yeah, Luis Arise is obviously good. He won the batting title last year. Are they, now with uh, Edwin Diaz being injured, are the Miami Marlins going to win the NL East? Is the door open for the Marlins? The fighting no. fins? No. Oh, okay. But they have a much better chance of, they probably have a better chance of getting into the wild card as than many other National League teams do. Yeah. And hey, if they need a closer, close a Ruiz. Come on down. Um, I do want to I, I I do feel remiss. There there were some uh there was some Reynaldo Lopez love from Pedro Grafal that I wanted to sneak into uh spring training here. Uh but Jose Ruiz kind of dominating uh the headlines yesterday in a huge at bat, three-nothing game, and you just gotta get out of the jam that was started uh by Martin Perez and Jose Ruiz comes down and sets uh, Tim Anderson back to the bench, strikeout swinging. I mean, Jose Ruiz will probably go up to Tim Anderson and show him that swing just every single day. I would. I don't know about you, Herb. I don't like you're more of the stats guy, Sean, but I don't recall Jose Ruiz having a changeup. And if he did, being that devastating, no, that thing just fell off the table. And Tim was flailing after those balls. He was probably expecting the 97 up top, which also. Excellent Jose Ruiz. If he can keep this up, man, the White Sox bullpen is in great shape. Because remember last year at the beginning of the year, they were going to Jose Ruiz a lot in April and May, and then he fell off the table. But if he can keep this uh, progression and that changeup is the way it was, and it looked like it was in top form, just falling off the table initially. And uh, yeah, like you said, there was a, I think there was a runner on third with one out. 
because of uh yeah Tucker just got thrown out at second and he made Tim look silly absolutely silly. What well, do you throw? Have, four, what do you throw? Four plus innings in the more than four innings in this gave up like one hit. Like he was awesome this whole tournament. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, four four innings, uh, four and one third innings of unscored ball for Venezuela, striking out five. Uh, and Pedro Gafal said, I don't really know him that well, but I saw good things uh, that now I'm able to talk to him about. He's raised the bar for himself. Me personally, that's the Ruiz I'm expecting back here. Good luck, Jose Ruiz. <laughs> you just raised the bar for yourself. But um, to touch on that, and that was from James Fegan, but uh, to touch upon the changeup, it's been there. He was throwing it last year. Um, it was scattering. Um, but I mean, I was impressed by it early on in the season, but the issue was that he just continued to be used. Um, we saw him be the most used pitcher in 2021. I think he had the th- third most usage uh, last year. He eclipsed 60 innings again, um, but it's not surprising. He's got one of the, some of the best stuff on the White Sox. Last year, um, Liam Hendricks had the best stuff out of stuff plus for the relievers. Reynaldo was second. Kyle Crick was third. Kyle Crick stands rise. Uh, Joe Kelly was fourth, and we know Joe Kelly's nasty stuff with his sinker and his breaking ball. And Jose Ruiz at a 110 stuff plus Kelly's at a 111 uh, is fifth on the team. Um, and he's got better stuff than Kendall Graveman. Uh, and, and he's getting paid $24 million. I mean, I understand that Jose Ruiz is usually brought up to clean up. You don't really like when he's pitching because it usually means the White Sox are losing and you're grumpy. But Jose Ruiz does a very important job in baseball. He gets outs. And I understand that, you know, maybe he's used in some higher leverage situations when he's not supposed to, but he is. A, an above average major league pitcher. The White Sox have him for a million dollars. He is one of the unsung heroes, I think, of the bullpens. Uh, and, you know, you mentioned the changeup. He doesn't need to be dynamic. He doesn't need to have this vamped up changeup to be important to the White Sox. If he is better and he is, you know, improved, the White Sox have a bargain for a million dollars. And that's what the White's, what I want the White Sox to be doing, not going out and setting the market for Joe Kelly and Kendall Graveman is, you know, working on in-house projects. And, hey, Jose Ruiz has been here the whole time. Who knew? Well, and maybe too, I mean, Rick Hahn always talks about this, and I think everybody kind of realizes this at this point, with very few exceptions. Uh, you don't really know what you're going to get from a reliever from year to year, right? I mean, think about Joe Kelly, who was such, a, you know, you can complain about the spending, but seemed like such a slam dunk addition to the bullpen. Like, oh, this guy's going to be good. And yeah, he was better than the numbers say, but he had a six ERA last year. Like you can't predict what these relievers are going to do. Nobody last year would have said Jimmy Lambert is a vital member of the back end of the White Sox bullpen. And going into this year, I think people think, you know, people are assuming that he will be again, but what if he isn't? And what if Reynaldo isn't, right? Well, maybe Jose Ruiz is. Like it, it, it's a it's a situation where um, – these guys are all very talented, and that's what you want. You want guys uh, that you can point to and say, ooh, that guy has the potential to be very good. Uh, and the more of those guys that you have, the more the better your chances of getting a group of three or four or five of them at the end of the game that will be that way. For the White Sox, that's even more valuable this year because Liam Hendricks, their closer, the most dependable guy in that bullpen and perhaps one of the most dependable relief pitchers in baseball, is not going to be there. So you have to find that, you know, not that production necessarily, but you have to find some more bodies who can be part of that reliable back-end group. If the World Baseball Classic is a preview of what's to come from Jose Ruiz – He doesn't necessarily have to be limited to just clean up duty. He might emerge as one of those guys that could be a valuable part of the back end. Maybe he is the Jimmy Lambert of 2023 or the Reynaldo Lopez of 2023. And the hopes is that those guys are those are are good in 2023 too. And you've got this whole fleet of guys that you can choose from. But uh, I think the idea is 
every new season go into it with an open mind that, hey, maybe this is a year when pitcher X, and in this case, Jose Ruiz, could emerge as a very valuable uh, member of that bullpen uh, and, and a guy that fans want to see coming into games. And just to give you context of how good Jose Ruiz was versus the United States last night, 69 pitches for Luis Garcia led with 12 swing and misses last night. Jose Ruiz pitched 24 pitches, seven swings and misses during that time. Tim Anderson, Kyle Schwarber, that's Trey Turner, you know, real major league baseball, but the top of the top, the cream of the crop, as we discussed before, the United States has the best lineup going. Their pitching staff is leaves a little bit to be desired, but there he was going against top-notch people and he was sitting them down. Michael Nelson Trout sitting down. You know, he's good. He's like, if he could do that to that level, White Sox got found money. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be tough to just repeat that, too. Uh, I mean, it, it, the one thing is he's just been posting. And, and you talk about the the variance in relief pitchers. Um, what he's done is uh, something since 2021 that only 44 other pitchers has done have done, and that's pitch over 120 innings. Um, he's been out there, and maybe he found a, a new life on his, his changeup. Uh, you look at the Stuff Plus, and last year it was at uh, 108.4. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's an above average changeup and it, it's been an above average changeup. So I think it's just more about finding that consistency, more about finding confidence. And it's more about, I think, finding that, that thought process. And I think this is a way to bring in, uh, the Reynaldo Lopez stuff. Um, but he just said, uh, Lopez said, Pedro knows I'm not scared. I can throw every pitch and every count as a car- starter. It's not the same. And I do wonder if Jose is just kind of learning about what he can do in 2-2, where, where he can go. I, I think it's a maturation maturation project and a, a process. And uh, Jose, again, I don't even think he's 30 yet. Um, yeah, you see he's 28 and won't be 29 until uh, you know October. So I feel like we, we, we have a little bit of a warped perspective of Jose Ruiz because he was around when the White Sox were bad. Um, I don't think this is Adam Engel. I think there is something uh, to, to, to actually kick around with with Jose Ruiz. And I, I'm excited for him. Hopefully that changeup is something. But uh, it's been an above average pitch before. So it's just about finding that consistency. Adam Engel somewhere in Arizona just like, what the fuck? <laughs> ridiculous sorry my bad um you couldn't have gone with like somebody who's like just not even in the majors anymore well i'm just saying like i mean adam was on the team last year who who else should i bust bust toss i mean matt scully oh matt scull isn't isn't matt scull still around probably not you saw him bat you saw him bat he's he's not in the majors anymore he's not he's not anywhere i'm I'm pretty matt scull retire yeah yes i'm pretty pretty sure he's gonna Um, be a coach somewhere which is great. Hopefully. Um, but uh, again, I, I, I do think that it's it's interesting that Reynaldo Lopez getting some love or uh, from uh, Pedro for fall. Um, I know this is kind of a going away from the Jose Ruiz thing, but uh, it, I, I do think that it could be big uh, if if Reynaldo really wants that moment. Uh, you know, obviously that that position is unfortunately open at the time. But uh, I, I don't know. I'm just telling you guys, watch out for Reynaldo Lopez. I know we're talking about closing, uh, closer by committee, but uh, Jose Ruiz and uh uh, Reynaldo that's, Lopez that's might close, have a battle. That's, that's close a Ruiz to you. Close a Ruiz and uh, Reynaldo Lopez might have a battle for that. All right, final thing. Uh, Cuba and the U.S. are playing tonight in a very, very important game. We will talk about it tomorrow, Monday at 4 p.m. on our CHGO live White Sox show. Do we have predictions? Will Yohan Moncada and Luis Robert Jr. advance to the finals or will it be Tim Anderson, Lance Lynn, and Kendall Graveman for Team USA? Thoughts, predictions? Americans. <laughs> Yeah, Americans, I've only seen like four 
Major League Baseball players on the Cuban team doesn't mean they're not good. Just the talent is different. Like Major League players are all littered in the United States team. Pitchings might be tough. Wayne Wayne's going to the bump tonight, so they might get a couple of hits off of him. But I think the United States will bash whoever the Cuban pitchers are and outlast them. Yeah, yeah. I don't know where Yohan Suspiras my, is. My uh, my prediction of a U.S. Japan final is on the line, so I'll stick with it's true. And uh, they're going with the 21-year-old, too. That's uh, The, the J- Japanese are going with the 21-year-old. So uh, that might be uh, something to watch. Uh, Mexico and Japan will be crazy uh, on the 20th. It'll be Sasaki versus Patrick, uh, Patrick Sandoval. And tonight, uh, Cuba versus the U.S. It'll be uh, uh, Ronius Elias, uh, who I think is with Seattle, uh, versus Adam Wainwright. So it'll be a little bit of a bullpen game for Cuba. Uh, I don't know about Wayno here. Uh, Wayno was pissed off he didn't pitch against Venezuela. Lancelin's better than you. Sorry, old man. Go scream at the sky. Uh, but I was thinking of the the Simpsons thing where uh, yeah, I don't think I don't think Lance I don't think Lance Lynn is exactly a spring chicken compared to you know him and Adam Wainwright are about on this uh, you know not far well, off the same footing, right? Yes, but one age has a four in it and one doesn't. <laughs> I guess maybe Lan- is Lance Lynn like thirty four? I think he's like thirty six. Maybe thirty five. Maybe thirty six. Former teammates. May twelfth. Yeah, former teammates. Former teammates, Sean. The 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 Tony Larusa 2006 uh, um, or 2011, oh, excuse me, Cardinals uh, are 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 leading Team USA to the to the championship round. Do you think that's all they talk about? Is 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 Tony Larusa and Lance Lynn being like, hmm, you should have been there last year? Crazy stuff. Who would who would be in line to pitch for US in the title game? Um, it's it's a mystery because Nick Martinez or went back home, went back last- to the San Diego Padres. Mm-hmm. And because he wasn't promised to be a starter anymore, Lance can't pitch anymore because of the quick turnaround. So it's going to be a bullpen game all oh, the way through, which is Could've what been. I suggested the other day, isn't it? Mm-hmm. That it should mm. just have been all be all bullpen games anyway. And Kendall Graveman did not pitch last night. I expect him to pitch tonight and probably be available for the championship game if they get there. Hmm. It's almost like uh, maybe they'll need Brady Singer. Huh. Hopefully, uh, hopefully Brady Singer can uh, put some respect on my name because he looked horrible last time I saw him pitch. Friends, tough. <laughs> he got killed by the Mexican team. Yeah. Anyways, uh, that's going to do it for the CHGO White Sox podcast. We will join you tomorrow at 4 p.m. Uh, that is Vinny Duber. He's our CHGO White Sox beat writer. That's Herb Lawrence. You can follow him on Twitter at ACNORAL23. He's our CHGO White Sox community leader. I'm Sean Anderson, your host. You can follow me on Twitter at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. You can follow the show on Twitter at CHGO underscore White Sox. Again, we'll be back with you tomorrow at 4 p.m. to talk about the Cuba uh, team versus the team, team Cuba versus Team USA uh, in the World Baseball Classic semifinals. Talk to you then. Go Sox.